developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, we have the opportunity to visit with Dr. Megan Locke, who is from Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, she is going to be talking about central auditory processing disorder. And you might say, what's a vision specialist like me having somebody on talking about central auditory processing disorder? And you'll soon find out why we've worked together for many years we shared a lot of patients together, um, and that's what we're going to explore today. But let's learn a little bit about uh, Dr. Megan. She joined the ABLE, A-B-L-E, ABLE Kids Foundation in 2008, uh, and she's always been so interested and passionate about uh, central auditory processing. Dr. Locke was a clinical audiologist and manager in New Jersey at a sound therapy center, uh, certified Tomatis consultant and auditory integration therapy provider. She worked with children and adults with hearing and processing difficulties, and she was involved in community education. And I know for years in my practice, when we've had especially a lot of the children on the spectrum, autism spectrum, and, and having special needs, they often had auditory sensitivities and were working with sound therapists. Dr. Um, Megan has 22 years of experience working with children and adults with special needs in classroom and clinical situations. She earned her Doctor of Audiology degree from Central Michigan University and a Bachelor of Science degree in Hearing, Speech, and Language Sciences from, I guess it's The Ohio University. <laughs> uh, she's, is, did I say that correctly? <laughs> the? Ohio University, not to be confused with the Ohio State University. <laughs> okay, then it's from Ohio University. Thank you. She's accredited by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and licensed by the state of Colorado. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight, Dr. Megan. Thanks for having me. It is truly a pleasure. So let's jump in and, and explain what is CAPD, Central Auditory Processing Disorder. Yeah, so, you know, what I think is really confusing is if you go and, and Google Central Auditory Processing Disorder online, you're going to come up with 
a variety of definitions that, that honestly don't make sense to a lot of biologists. Um, let me give you one, if you don't mind. Um, French auditory processing disorder um, are deficits in the neural processing of auditory information in the central auditory nervous system, not due to higher order language or cognition as demonstrated by poor performance in one or more of the skills listed above. Um, I find that very confusing. Um, there is mud. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think, you know, when people say, um, you know, why don't more people know about it? And why isn't this more understood? I, I think there's a lot of different factors, but this being a big one, if, if people don't even understand the definition and we don't have a definition that even makes sense, well, as a parent trying to look for information or a professional deciding, well, is this an appropriate referral? Um, it's really hard to know what's what. So what I like to say is, you know, our auditory system is responsible for a variety of different things. And most of us know and just think about the hearing portion, but we assume that if our hearing is normal, that life is easy. Um, that's not always the case for the individuals we see. So after we hear the information, then our system has to understand the information um, so I liken it to going to a foreign country where you don't speak the language. You hear everybody just fine, um, but if you're not understanding all that information, that's going to impact you in a big way. So we've got that understanding piece. And then our auditory system is also responsible for prioritizing sounds in our environment. Um, it needs to help us know what's important to listen to and what's not important to listen to, and then filter out that unimportant information. And when you, when you don't have an auditory system doing that and filtering out that information, you hear everything. You hear papers and pencils and clocks and, and movement and breathing and flies in the room. I could go on and on with some of the stuff the kids have told us they heard. Um, and that's exhausting. It's frustrating. Um, you know, if we lived in the middle of Red Robin um, during lunch hour, that was our auditory environment all day. I think we would have much better understanding of why these kids are exhausted and why it looks like they're lazy, unmotivated, not focused. They're not. It's just the demands are so great that um, they just can't sustain that effort and understanding that they want to all day. Well, your explanation is so analogous to how we look at vision. I think that's why we've resonated so much because so many of our patients see 2020. It's like your patients here, sometimes super hearing, um, yes. but it's the, the filtering system and the coordination. And, and I know many of our bright kids that we'll talk about later, um, they are so aware of everything from, from everything they've heard to everything they feel, everything they see, and they are constantly bombarded by stimuli. Mm -hmm. And and um, and that's where you and uh, you and I and others have found, you know, working together so important because this is often a multi-system issue. Your specialties in the auditory, minds, and the vision, but we have only one kid, and and this is where they're at right now. Yes, and you know, I I have when when we know a kiddo has visual processing and maybe sensory, and now we discover the auditory. I, I think it's just a testament to how amazing these children are, right? You know, they've had right. so much on their plate for so long. 
and they keep persevering. And, you know, my goal for the parents is, okay, you know, you know, there's this vision piece. So what you're doing for for that should help. Um, but we've got the noise piece too. So our goal is to help with this piece, as many of those extra things that we can take off their plate, um, the better. You know, I sometimes, I always say the the child is the most important part of the team because I believe that um, they're the ones going through it. They've got to understand it. And sometimes when it's their normal, um, they have no idea how hard they're working. And so we as parents sometimes will say, and I'm guilty of it too as a parent, um, why didn't you tell me it was so hard? Or why didn't you tell me um, you could hear... Um, the clock ticking in class and they'll say well doesn't everybody (laughs) Um, right I'll liken the noises we do refer to it as super hearing just to help them understand like hearing everything but also maybe more importantly help others understand how hard that is but you know if you imagine carrying a backpack full of bricks all day long and those bricks are all the noises you're carrying if we can take those bricks out of your backpack um you shouldn't be so tired during the day so um i have the most utmost respect for these kiddos and and i i they're all working hard and those ones that have other comorbidities such as the vision piece it's even more important to, you know, uncover those pieces so we can try to level their playing field um, in every way we can. Well, you know, especially in the pandemic with everybody when they were wearing masks and uh-huh. and uh, I'm, sh- I'm going to have you speak to that point. But first, let's just talk about signs and symptoms, because so many of these kids are overlooked and missed and mm-hmm. show other kinds of behaviors, avoidances. You know, give us a couple scenarios of, I know each kid's individual, but there's some commonalities of some signs and symptoms for parents to look for. What are some of those? There are. And we actually looked at three different groups in 2021. Uh, we looked at a group um, that was gifted, identified gifted before coming to the foundation, a group on the spectrum, and then just a randomized group of 100 individuals. I'll talk about those. Um, the the top 10 um, behaviors I'll go over for this group, and they can overlap a lot with attention challenges and vision challenges and um, sensory challenges and things like that. But once you know what to look for, it's usually pretty easy to identify if there's an auditory component to it. It might not be the whole thing, but an auditory component. So easily distracted was the number one reported behavior in our randomized group of 100 individuals. Again, I think when we when we relate it to super hearing, we can understand this better, how if you are hearing everything all the time, that makes it really hard to focus on one thing when you're hearing everything. Being more sensitive to, sensitive to sounds, it's not always covering our ears like what many of us think. It can be a real preference and need for working in quiet. Um, performing much better and quiet. A lot of our students, they'll get 100% on a test if they have permission to take it in a separate quiet environment, um, and they might get 50% in class because the noises, again, make it a lot harder for them to focus and demonstrate what they know. Um, Some Mm -hmm. of our kids do great at their sporting events and love going to birthday parties and love family gatherings, but they're exhausted 
afterwards. Um, and we as parents go, but we had a lot of fun. Why are you having a meltdown? Well, it's just that system is exhausted. Mishearing, um, experiencing anxiety, being easily frustrated, trouble following directions, appearing to be more forgetful than we would expect, slow at starting new tasks, and being more easily upset in new situations are all some of the top reported behaviors that we see in our students and adults at the foundation. So thank you for that. The question then becomes so many of these uh, signs and symptoms are very characteristic of somebody who's been identified as ADHD or some vision. How do you differentiate? Um, Because I know so many of the patients I see, ADHD is the first thing on their mind and easily distracted and, and, you know, like squirrels, somebody says something and they change attention. (laughs) How do you differentiate those signs and symptoms? Well, I love to talk to the families and I'll say, just tell me your concerns. Tell me more about your child. And they almost always will give, again, um, indicators of of whether we think it is more attention, you know, kind of more distractibility across all environments. Or, again, they'll say, um, I almost run into this every week, you know, when we do homework at home and when my kiddo's sitting at the dining room dining room table and it's quiet, um, they can get their work done, no problem. You know, it's easy, they understand, they have retention. I don't understand why they can't get any of their work done in class. So we see what looks like a change in behavior with the focus and ability to get work done, where really it's the change in environment that's impacting that kiddo. So we ask a lot of questions. Um, same with social situations. A lot of our students will do wonderful in one-on-one or very small group environments where it's not so chaotic. You don't have as many people talking, as many opportunities for communication breakdowns, but they get in a classroom setting where there's 25 different peers having a group discussion um, and they can't participate. You know, they they, they'll tell me, I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. I have no idea what's going on. So a lot of times when we ask targeted questions of, um, you know, do you always see this behavior or does it seem more challenging in certain environments than others, um, parents give a lot of really great information. And we never know if attention challenges are still on the plate. Um, all I know is usually we get a really good sense of whether there's possible auditory difficulties as well. And a lot of our students will give great information. You know, I love working in quiet, they'll say. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can get my really easily and I can do my best work. And I'll say, well, how do you like working in the classroom? And I won't usually say, is it noisy? I don't lead with that. I'll just say, tell me more, you know. And though I had one kiddo the other day go, oh, it's so frustrating so loud. You know, those were his words. So my motto, and again, I firmly believe this, is if we listen to the kids, they will tell us everything we need to know. Um, Problem is we as adults don't always know the questions to ask, or it can look like so many different things. We just, we don't know where to go. So that's great. It's all about really being aware and, and the case history. You mentioned the questions to ask. Uh, do you want to just review, and you've said some of them, but review, what kind of questions should 
you know, the teacher, the parent, uh, coach, what are the questions to ask these kids when you suspect maybe there's something going on auditorily? Yeah, I think, you know, parents, I believe, really know their child better than anything else. So one question I think is important to ask is, do I feel like my child's meeting their potential? Because, you know, a lot of times parents will call and they'll say, you know, something just seems so hard for them. I can't put my finger on it, but it just feels so hard. And our kids certainly have a lot um, to get to contend with these days. But, you know, one of the, the major comments resonating with our families is that discrepancy between capabilities and performance. So do mm-hmm. I feel like potential, especially for the writer for gifted kids, do I see a change in behavior, um, clients, <clears throat> work ethic, um, performance across environments? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Again, one-on-one versus the classroom. Uh, <clears throat> how is my child after being in noise? Yes, we had a lot of fun noise, but do they have any energy left the rest of the day? Um, is my child being categorized in a way that I don't think fits them? Again, lazy, unmotivated, non-compliant. That's the big for our students. And again, if you're not sure what you're supposed to do, you don't even know what to do. But it can look like you're so those would be some of the big ones to start with, I, I think, um, to just see if we can kind of tease out some patterns and behaviors across environments. That's great to start. Uh-huh. You know, one of the things I've noticed, especially in these last couple of years because of the pandemic and wearing masks uh, and parents complaining about the kids not listening, paying attention, can't hear the teacher well, which I think probably a big part of the class couldn't with their masks on anyways. But um, I asked them if they notice that the you know, kid comes and looks at them and they're actually lip readers and you don't notice it because it looks like your kid's just looking at you. But I know my own daughter who had a hearing loss that we did not pick up because she didn't have any of the signs. She was a early speaker. Uh, She um, wasn't uh, inattentive. She didn't have any of the signs. And they picked her up actually on a screening test. And she told me, this is where the kids know, well, mom, why do you think I always get in front of your face so I can read your lips? And I'm like, seriously? (laughs) So (laughs) I think the masks um, have really created such an increase of at least not picking up auditory processing because some of the compensations that many people use, especially looking the facial and lips in understanding people were taken away during that time. I would agree with, I think, and we had a lot of students to report, um, you know, I can't see people's lips anymore. And I, I think a lot of us use those big visual cues and we didn't realize it until they were gone. Um, myself included, I had a lot of time understanding in our office, um, more so than I expected to when we started wearing masks. And so for our students, it became extra important that things were written down and they were seated close to the speaker. And I think in in some ways that it brought some of these auditory processing challenges to light because you know, many of us to some degree can can cope and slide under the radar 
when our compensatory strategies can get us by, you know, and then we have a change in environment, um, a change in, you know, math, where it took the visual way where all of a sudden the strategies that we were using to help us during the day went away. And so for some of our students, it really brought this to light um, that otherwise weren't caught before the pandemic. They probably would have gotten on somebody's radar as they matriculated into higher grade levels and other demands changed on them. But, but the use of the mask really did highlight for some of our students and families how visual these kiddos are. So when you can't understand the auditory information as well as you should, and then we took away your visual, the, these kids didn't have much to go on. Right. And it became behavioral. You know, I don't want yes. to do this. I can't yep. do this. Avoid all of this. Yet there is a little silver lining. Those people that were on Zoom um, sometimes did better because that person's face was right there in front of them. And so they got the facials and and the visuals. Um, so it was a mixed bag of, you know, the, the problems all of this created. And for some people, um, some of the assistance uh, that it gave us as well. Uh, we're going to take a break in just a minute uh, here, Megan, but how often is hearing loss either part of or a major piece of the problem? We only have about a minute to go, and then we'll pick this up after uh, after our break. So talk a little bit about the hearing loss. So there's a couple of requirements to be a re- uh, candidate for central auditory processing testing, and one of them, unfortunately, is that you have to have normal or near normal hearing in the speech ranges. So our profession as a whole um, cannot test sensory processing challenges when you have a certain degree of hearing loss. With that said, we can test you if you have um, mild hearing loss or hearing loss outside the, the main speech ranges. So it can coexist. We know it probably does a lot of the times. Um, one of the biggest complaints of hearing aid users is background noise. So whether that's a um, you know result of just technology not being as efficient as you know an auditory system or central auditory processing challenges as well we don't know but you certainly can have both and when we're able okay. to if you do Discover the power of the seeing brain, the creator of your true vision. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's number one bestseller book, Expand Your Vision, helps you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Remove roadblocks and visualize your new lens to see and experience your world. Get Expand Your Vision on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, 
wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new, exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Can your child organize, really organize? Parents and teachers will have practical, step-by-step strategies and templates to help get their children organized with Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's Organize It Workbook. Increased organizational skills create success and confidence in school, sports, and life. Get Organize It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we have the pleasure of being with Dr. Megan Locke, who's an audiologist at the Able Kids Foundation, and they emphasize uh, evaluating and treating kids and adults with central auditory processing. So the important thing to understand is most of the people that they evaluate have adequate or even super hearing. And again, it's analogous to many of the patients that I would evaluate have 20-20 eyesight, yet they may have difficulty coordinating their eyes, understanding what they're seeing. Neurologically, many of the similar kinds of things happen in the audiology field. And and Dr. Megan and her team have really developed uh, um, some really interesting management approaches to uh, helping these kids and adults that have what will often be diagnosed as central auditory processing disorder. So, uh, Dr. Megan, why don't you kind of go through this scenario when a patient's referred to you, just, you know, how they're evaluated, and then what are some of the treatment management uh, options you have? Sure. So when a family decides to come to the foundation for evaluation, we do an in-depth Um, central auditory processing test battery. Um, We know the hearing is good, so the hearing test just takes really a few minutes, but the vast majority of time gives us a blueprint as far as, well, what does the auditory system actually do with the information you hear? And it it gives us great results looking at right versus left ear, where in the system challenges occur, are one or both ears affected? And then once we get that data, everything we do at the foundation is data-driven. Once we get that data, we have some objective information to help guide um, some support. There, there are a variety of, of approaches available uh, to families. Um, I'll mention them first, and then I'll tell you what we do at the foundation. So there are a few specialists in the country that do central auditory processing challenges, and, and families do have a choice with, with what type of management solutions they want to pursue. So um, hearing aids are an option. Um, the use of FM systems, um, a passive filter, compensatory strategies like preferential seating, headphones, earplugs, um, those are the main ones. At the foundation, 
we utilize the compensatory strategies and the use of the filter. Um, we have not seen hearing aids be overwhelmingly successful with managing auditory processing challenges. Um, NFM systems have great utilization in certain settings, but they can't be used all day across environments. So we'll recommend them occasionally. Um, there's also therapies that some audiologists recommend. I didn't mention that. I apologize initially, but but there are therapy options. Again, we don't recommend them formally at the foundation based off our own professional experience with them and the lack of research in the literature showing they can change the auditory system. I will say I'm a huge fan of therapy for other things, such as fine motor, speech, vision challenges, et cetera. Um, it's just a little bit of a different ballgame when we're talking about the auditory system. So we are known for the filter. The benefits of the filter came out of Colorado State University about 30 years ago, so it's not new. Uh, and it's a data-driven recommendation, meaning we have data to show whether a student will benefit from its use. Um, that is the best thing I have seen in my 20 years of practice to help finally give somebody control over the noises in their environment instead of the noises controlling them. I liken it to glasses. It's a small earpiece worn in one ear. And when an individual is wearing the filter, um, those ears are working better together. They're working more in sync. Um, again, the, the chaos decreases in their environment, their understanding improves. Um, it's the best opportunity I have seen for them to be as engaged um, as they should be in their educational, social, extracurricular home settings. And then there's, of course, preferential seating, quiet testing environments, having access to written directions. Really all common sense strategies that are good for many of us, but just a little extra important for these students with auditory processing challenges. Can you explain why that filter works? Explain, you know, the speed of processing between the ears and some of the confusion that might arise. So when you have central auditory processing challenges, it's because those ears are out of sync. So just like the, the eyes not working together as a team, uh, the same concept happens within the auditory system. So the, the filter is only worn in one ear if it's found to be helpful. So it's a passive um, time delay device, and it just allows the information from the two ears to better reach the brain at the same time so the system knows what to do with it. Which is really interesting. Now, I know that auditory processing, like visual processing, develops over time. At what age should parents really start thinking of, of this as being a possible issue? And, and, you know, how young and how old do you treat patients? Yes, so our youngest individual that we've seen has been three years of age. You have to have a receptive language age of four and above to test. So um, three and four is about the youngest any audiologist can test for. The oldest individual we've seen at our center is 73 years of age. So we've seen quite quite a range there. Um, some of our families report knowing pretty much very early on in their child's life, they suspected this, you know, um, that the, the children had real aversion to vacuum cleaners or blenders as a baby or 
you know, um, again, when they'd go in crowds, they'd get kind of a startle um, reflex or look um, and, and, and want to leave. Um, where others, it's, it's interesting, it's that change in environment that tips that scale where, where parents and, and students really start to feel the increased load. Um, some of our homeschool um, students that have been homeschooled through 12th grade might go to a large public university and for the first time um, do classes in a large setting. You know, they went from um, a one-on-one or very, very small group environment to a 400-person lecture hall. Um, so some of these students will come to the foundation and they'll say, what's wrong with me? What happened to me? And I'll say, nothing. Um, it's just your environment changed. And again, all those great strategies you could use at home or in these smaller environments fell apart and when your room size grew. That's very interesting. And what I found especially interesting, many of the, the kiddos that I've sent to able kids and you've treated with filters and the parents have seen significant differences. I mean, some are subtle, some are truly the kid pays attention. He's not saying how, what, uh, tuned into class, all of these. And then the parent will come back and, and ask if they could go up and have you evaluate the parent as well, because many of these parents had similar symptoms as a, a kiddo. And they're often like very bright, very successful CEOs or business people that lead big meetings and they can do it. But they they are so fatigued in trying to make sure they can lead the meeting, listen to the questions, you know, avoid that extra noise. And when they have been fitted with a filter, their response is usually it is just so much easier and less fatiguing. And so it's been interesting to see many of the adults go for testing after we refer the kids? Yes, it's highly genetic. So, you know, a lot of, we as parents often learn more about ourselves through our own children. <laughs> right. What What are the, the many, many, many wonderful things about being a parent? Um, and, and that happens a lot. And, and what I find is the adults, we can be very hard on our, our on ourselves. Um, you know, self-esteem, um, and that fatigue. I um, saw a, a dad a few years ago, and I'll never forget him because he sat in my office and he said, Megan, I'm just a terrible father. And, he, you know, they, they don't get any nicer than he does, you know? And I said, you're not a terrible father. You're an exhausted father. And he looked at me with that frame of reference, and you could he just sat there. For a while. And my point to him was you are working so hard all day, and you have probably your entire life, that when you get home to your children, it's not that you don't love them and it's not that you don't want to spend time with them. It's just you don't have anything left to give. You're exhausted. Um, fried is the word adults use a lot. Um, he has since come back um, and updates me frequently about how it's that that fatigue that mentioned that he is not so spent now after the work day that he goes in his room you know he has the energy to come home and play with his kids and read a book and play basketball and and that's a huge deal we think sometimes well if these things don't impact academic or work performance that we don't need to pay attention to them and I would argue the opposite 
I would say if it impacts any area of your life, including your ability to spend time with your friends and your family um, and other loved ones, and, and we can make it easier, um, let's take a look at that. Yeah, it's a huge quality of life change that can happen. And again, especially for the adults, they've been told for years, you hear just fine. There's nothing wrong with your hearing. So they never even realize that's only one step of the whole process. Um, Do all audiologists provide this type of care? No, most do not. Uh, I Again, a few reasons for that, but I think one of the, the biggest reasons is we are not well-educated specialty in, in grad school. Um, we go to school for eight years. Um, they are still, I'm still seeing surveys and articles saying, you know, we maybe get a total of one to two days of auditory processing um, disorder material. Um, in our eight years of schooling. And I would agree with that from where I came from. Um, And talking to a lot of audiologists, you know, I think in a lot of universities, that's the same. And I think part of it is, again, the professors haven't been trained in this. So unfortunately, you know, a lot of this goes back to just lack of education. We we only know what we know. Um, And we're graduating, you know, a lot of audiologists that just don't even have the experience in this. And it only hurts the kiddos. You know, uh, these kids often go to an audiologist for a hearing test first because they'll say, I'm having trouble hearing my teacher, when actually what's going on is they can't focus on their teacher because they hear everything else going on, too. They pass the hearing test with flying colors and then get told to try harder. Your hearing's normal. Right. Um, when we as parents don't have the information, again, we only know what we know. <laughs> so we think, well, everything's fine. Um, your hearing's really good. You just have to try harder. And, you know, if, if I, um, you know, I have a few wishes for this field, that might be my biggest one is that we do a better job of educating those professionals that are responsible for diagnosing and managing this piece so that less kids fall through the cracks. Well, I'm with you on that. And, you know, I've been in an interesting situation where being in private practice will often get referrals from from psychologists and educators, and they'll bring us off in the school or a private um, uh, psychologist has done a full workup, full battery, and they'll diagnose learning disabilities. Some of them have speech and articulation problems. They've struggled with phonics. And I'm the vision person, but when we do our perceptual workup, and in the vision world, very much like the auditory world, many schools hardly uh, teach uh, visual perception. There are some courses, but but uh, they just you know scratch the surface. So there's many eye docs, optometrists, that aren't very well educated, trained, or do the work in perception like we do as well. And uh, in the field of ophthalmology, that's not even part of the thought process and treatment for most ophthalmologists. So may- many people never get diagnosed uh, because of that. So we're on the same battle. But what happens in schools is we'll do a whole battery, and I do a couple auditory screenings, sensory motor screenings, and I'll find red flags in the auditory processing. And some of these kids have already had a, a thorough speech language workup, and that was never discussed. Some, not many, have had an audiology evaluation. 
And I'll bring that up in my console and recommend for the parent to get an auditory evaluation. And the school kind of, you know, gets a little nervous, like, why are you doing that? We've already, you know, done a whole workup. Except we don't know how auditory processing is. That piece hasn't been evaluated. And and many of the parents want to go to the school because it's covered. But this is a case where I know, but they're not doing the same kind of evaluation that you guys are doing in auditory processing. So it becomes a challenge to, you know, how are we going to get these kids help? And I'm blessed. I might... You know, we in Colorado are blessed to have you in Colorado, but what do people do that are outside of Colorado? I mean, how do they find somebody with your kind of experience to evaluate and treat? Uh, Many people end up flying to the foundation um, because there's just a lack of specialists, you know, in the country. Um, We try very hard to make our services affordable. We have many families that will fly into Colorado and get testing at their center and say it was cheaper than what they could have gotten at the university closer to home, um, but a more expanded management program. Um, So we try very hard to make it accessible. Um, We are very lucky we live in a fabulous state. So many families will combine this with a vacation. Um, As you know, oftentimes these kiddos have other suspected um, challenges like the vision, uh, maybe they're 2E. So many of our families end up coming here as well for other specialty evaluations. So I also feel very lucky that we are in Colorado with um, specialists in other fields because families can come to Colorado um, if they choose and get a lot of wonderful information about many different modalities. Um, and then I also have a scholarship program for families in financial need um, that can help offset the cost. So uh, if families can't come to us, I have done a lot of consults about just, you know, basic things they can do without a formal diagnosis. Um, ask if the school's willing to do an FM system with where the teacher with the microphone and the student has a receiver. It's great for direct one-on-one instruction, but again, as group environment, sports, restaurants, birthday parties, you know, um, there, there's no benefit in those situations. But but we do spend a fair amount of time talking to individuals that, that may not be able to get here just to help them maybe get a little bit understanding how this may be impacting their child, um, if it is a piece, and some easy things at home to see if, if it would make a positive difference for their child. But at this point, the only place to get the filter is uh, right here in your clinic. Is that correct? That's correct. Like I said, there some audiologists do therapies or or they'll just get diagnosis with with little management um, recommendations. Currently, um, we are still the only one in the world that offers that filter management. And my dream for the world of auditory processing is that you expand and get your your technology and management tools out to so many other places because we all are just at the tip of the iceberg of treating the number of people that that have this this issue. And and, um, your work's phenomenal, and I so appreciate it. There was just one quick story I wanted to add of, you know, somebody you wouldn't have thought had an auditory processing problem, but it was a high schooler that I'd saw. She was referred. She was a gifted kiddo with some visual problems. 
And she didn't, you know, she passed my auditory screening test, but that, they only go to third grade. But just her history was suspicious. And I said, you know, let's just rule it out. I sent her to you guys. You fit her with a filter. And when I saw her again, I said, so tell me, is the filter helpful for you? And she says, I need to tell you something. I don't know if you know this. She said she she went to the theater and, and was watching the production of Phantom of the Opera. And she didn't have her filter in. And then she put her filter in. And then she'd take it out. And then she said to her mom, did you know that they actually sing and say words when they do theater? And she had never, this is a brilliant kid, knew that at theater they were actually singing words until she had the filter in. And I, you know, it just shook my head like, oh my gosh. I mean, who would have known? She covers so well. She's so bright. Everything was great. And you just don't know. So, you know, ruling it out is important. Um <laughs> Megan, I'm sorry to say we are out of time, uh, time, and I want to make sure you give people your contact information. It'll be on our uh, show notes, but go ahead and let people know how they can reach you. Of course. So if you have any questions, you are always welcome to email the address on the website. That comes directly to me, info at ablekidsfoundation.org. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.